0: We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter.
1: Good afternoon. This is Carmen Nazario. Josh is not here today, but happy Friday to everyone listening. Uh, if this is the first time you're coming on, this is the, sh- uh, this is our Veterans Founders Show. It's a show about, uh, veterans who start businesses or other types of organizations. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Nate Amidon, And he is the founder of Form 100 Consulting. Hi, Nate. How are you today?
2: I'm great, Carmen. Thanks for having me
1: on. Yes, we're excited, and um, I've personally, um, our companies have personally collaborated, and I know a little bit about you, but I think I'm going to learn a lot more today because the purpose of of the show is also to get your story. So I am sure there's lots of stuff that I don't know about you. So typically uh, what we like to do is start out by asking you where you're from, and uh where you grew up um what led you into the military and then uh we can go from there
2: yeah sounds great well uh um yeah so i grew up in saint paul minnesota Uh, actually um not a huge military presence in minnesota but uh um you know i kind of went into the military almost or maybe by accident i uh um i was a, a high school swimmer and really wanted to swim at, at a collegiate level and uh um, also wanted to get into a really good school so um i i learned about the air force academy while i was in high school and uh connected with their with their swimming program and, and ended up uh, joining the air force academy so that's kind of how i found myself you know in, in the military and uh and and yeah, you know, it was a little bit of a shock when I <laughs> showed up to basic training, but but uh, you know, I had I had an idea of what I was getting into, but um, but yeah, so a little bit of a you know maybe a different story on how you get in, but um, so yeah, that's, that's, where, that's where I started.
1: That is. So, did you ever have aspirations of the Olympics or anything like that?
2: Uh, well, yeah, I think when you whenever you know you you're so focused on a sport, you think you think about those kind of long-term, you know, goals and aspirations, but uh, really it was just to swim at a college level, I think, is what I was really focused on, and um, the swimming program at the, the Air Force Academy is pretty good, so uh, it worked out.
1: That's great, and so, uh, so once you graduated, uh, so what did you do in the Air Force Academy? Because everybody doesn't train to be a pilot, but you uh, later on became a pilot, right?
2: Right. And, you know, and, and, um, you know, it's, it, so the, the Air Force Academy is really a four year school. And so more people are familiar with West Point and that's the army version of the Air Force Academy. Um, and then there's also the Navy, uh, the Navy version, which is, which is Annapolis. So, um, I get that question a lot, you know, the Air Force Navy game is actually, you know, Annapolis, I'm sorry the Army Navy game is actually Annapolis versus West Point's college football programs. um, yeah and there's a lot of confusion sometimes around that. Uh, but yeah, so a four year school um, the first two years are really kind of engineering focused, so you get a really good core in engineering and then I ended up um, pursuing business management as a as a degree um, while I was at the academy.
1: And that was in Colorado, right?
2: yeah, Colorado Springs. yeah, it's a really cool place if uh, if you haven't seen it, you know recommend uh, going out to visit. But,
1: uh, yeah. Yeah, I have been to Colorado Springs, but it is it, it like you say, it's a it's a beautiful area. Uh yes, so, so you did engineering and uh business business management, is that what you said?
2: Yeah, so I ended up being that uh, my my degrees in uh, you know, a BS in management. Um and uh but you know it, what's weird is when you you know once once you graduate then you have a choice of of what you want to do in the Air Force. Um, and so that's when the, the opportunity to, to to go the pilot route um, presented itself.
1: And how did and so that, on. so is, was that something that you had planned, or how did that opportunity come up?
2: No, it, it, a lot of people go to the Air Force Academy with the, with the intention of, of going and, and flying planes. Um, it's, it's, you know, a lot of the Air Force pilots come from there. Uh, uh, however, I, yeah, it wasn't something I really thought of um, I didn't have that, you know, burning passion for aviation and flying But, uh, uh, but you know, you go to the football games And you and you uh, get to see flyovers And you talk to former pilots that are teaching at the academy And it's a really cool experience And, and you know, it's something worth, worth trying So, you know, I, I figured this is really an opportunity I, I can't pass up, so why not give it a try?
1: Okay, so, and that took place. Uh, where did that take place? At in in, in a different, um, not in Colorado. Your your pilot training school.
2: Yeah. So so when you uh, after you graduate, um, you know you get set up into a into a pilot training class, and there's you know usually maybe six months in between when you graduate and when you start. Um, and uh, at, at that time, the Air Force was paying. Uh, was, was paying for people to go get a private pilot's license first, so I went to a, a local, you know, just a local airfield, learn how to fly a Cessna, um, uh, and, and then after once I once I got you know once I got my private pilot's license, then I headed headed down to Columbus, Mississippi, where I went to undergraduate pilot training. So that's for about um, that's a, basically a year long program.
1: Oh wow! So. Um... So what happened after that? Did they assign you to be a a, a pilot right away? And after you graduated, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: right? Yeah. So so you know you, the after the year long program, you, you have uh, uh, basically everyone uh, in your pilot training class gets gets picked off. You go fly different planes at different locations. Um, you know, and, and you uh, sometimes you get what you want and. Uh, um, I was fortunate enough to to C seventeen uh Globemaster. It's a, a large cargo plane, and uh, uh, came up came up to uh, um, McCord Airfield or JBLM uh, up in the Seattle area, and so that's the unit I went to. And then I you know started flying the, the C seventeen.
1: And that's the unit they assign you to. This is the first time, um, well, in a year and a half that we've had the show, I think we're interviewing a pilot. So oh, it's kind yeah, of fascinating sure. for me because um, I love planes. Right. And um, uh, you, you mentioned that you got to fly different, different planes, right? You know, like uh, in the school. So did you get to fly all kinds of, like, did you get to fly fighter planes?
2: So, so all the, uh, um, so in pilot training, you know, you start out in, I started out in a Cessna and then, uh, all the pilots go to a, uh, um, uh, like a more of an acrobatic jet trainer. Um, and so you do that for about six months and I was in the T 37, it's been replaced by the the T six. And then there's really a split at six months where you say, okay, you're either going to go down the fighter bomber track. Or you're going to go down the um, cargo tanker track, and so I went down the cargo track and ended up flying essentially uh, like a weird a jet, like a business jet trainer, and did that for six more months. So, so it, um, yeah.
1: It, so was that a decision you made, or was that a decision that the military uh, made for you?
2: So it, it, it depends. So when you go through pilot training, um, uh, the better you do in pilot training, the more of a choice you have in, in what track you want to go. Um, and, uh, uh, and so you can get those, uh, decisions on, you know, at that six month point where I want to go. Same thing at the, at the end of the year point, you can decide what kind of plane I want to fly. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I ended up basically wanting to go into the cargo heavy realm, and uh and so so yeah it worked out
1: for me. Oh, interesting. And so uh so you made that choice and then by now because you know it seems like it was something you wanted to try out. So were you loving it? I mean, being, you know, now you've gone through the school and now you're, you know, you're able to select the track that you wanted to go into. So, so, um, so how did that feel? I I mean, uh, because it almost seems, you know, when you went into the military by accident and now here you're a pilot now flying these big uh, C-17 Globemaster planes. So
2: yeah, right. No, I mean, it, so it, yeah, it, it's kind of an adventure, um, and uh, it, it. I mean, flying is really exciting. Um, you know, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're taking a, in my case, of just an enormous plane, and you're going out with a group of, you know, a, a group of people and flying it around the world. I mean, so that that at you know in your early twenties is super exciting. I mean, So. <laughs> uh yeah I, mean, I i i thought it was uh i thought it was it was a lot of fun and and, uh, and you know you're gone a lot right um and 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 the type of and it's also very challenging you know you you're really learning this really complex machine that you're you learn how to operate um and so you know so for me it was great i i, I was really excited about all the places i got to see um got, in, got to learn um, got to learn how to you know really operate the a, a really sophisticated piece of equipment and flying is pretty fun so so yeah I mean uh, overall it was a it was a great experience
1: And, and how old were you uh, when you you know when you started flying the the uh, c17s?
2: Um, so I'm you know uh, I think it's 24 25 when you start out as a as a brand new co-pilot and then and after a few years of flying you become an aircraft commander so you're the you're the the um, officer in charge of the plane when you fly so that was probably in my late 20s
1: that is still quite young that's really impressive right. i mean
2: um, oh, and, and i think that's true across you know across a lot of the military disciplines is that the amount of responsibility that you get at such an early age um, is something that I I think is is different than what you see really in a private sector career track.
1: Yeah, and that's what I was just going to get to because that's enormous responsibility at such a young age. Uh, It's just really amazing. Um, Nate, I think this is a good place to take a quick break and we'll be right back with your
0: story. CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio.
1: We're back with Nate Amidon of Form 100 Consulting. So, Nate, I I mean, I am quite impressed, uh, you know, so far with your story that at such a young age you were flying these huge uh, airplanes, and so uh, what kinds of things did you get to do? Did you actually transport um, things to uh, places where, you you know, uh, we, you know, Afghanistan or... Iraq. I don't know what period you were in. Uh, what year did you um, go into uh, the Air Force after the Air Force Academy?
2: Yep. So I graduated the Air Force Academy in uh, 2003, and then uh, graduated pilot training. You know, after all of the training, I got to my unit in 2005. Um, so it was really kind of the the height of the Iraq War. Um, and uh I actually remember showing up to my unit and the commander and one scheduler, um, was there. And so, I mean, the, the unit has, you know, maybe a hundred people total and, and all of them were out flying missions. Um, so it was a really busy time. Uh, and, and so, uh, yeah, so, you know, I started out like my first couple of rides were, were into, into combat zones down in, in Iraq and, and Afghanistan. Um, and, uh, but that wasn't the only mission that we did. So so really the, the C-17 is a, uh, um, it, it does, you know, intra and inner theater airlift. So we'll take cargo from, you know, the U.S. hubs and bring it over to staging areas, but then we'll also take it from the staging areas into, you know, the uh, the airfields and the AOR. So uh, so you get kind of a great mix of both both experiences. Um, where you're not just doing all the tactical type of flying, you're also not just doing all of just the transport type of flying.
1: Hmm. Do you do humanitarian work as well?
2: Yeah, you know, we so the C-17 is really versatile. Like, uh, and and it, it can take, uh, you know, it can take tanks, helicopters. You can make uh, passengers. You can load it full of cargo. Um, you know, we, we can also do medevac type missions where we can turn our plane into kind of a flying hospital. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I got experiences to do, you know, all of those. Um, and even when I was, I was stationed in the Pacific for a while, um, I was, you know, got to go out to Japan after the tsunami, um, in 2009, uh, and do some humanitarian uh, airlift there as well. So yeah, a lot of good experiences for sure.
1: Wow. Um, So you've been all over. Um, So how long uh, were you in the military for?
2: Uh, Yeah. So when you go to pilot training, um, uh, at the completion of pilot training, you sign a a longer commitment than most. um, uh, Like if you went in and did a non-flying, a non-flying role, so uh, you end up signing a ten-year commitment after your pilot training. So. in just about to the end of that commitment so uh total was 12 years from when i graduated the academy
1: wow 12 years and then what did you do after uh you uh, you decided to leave the military right you could have stayed longer but uh after your commitment yeah. you you decided to leave and then um uh, what did you do after that
2: yeah, so um, I mean, it, getting out of the military, especially after you know you after you get ten years in, you know you're halfway to retirement. it's a, it can be a tough decision. Um, and uh, uh, so I didn't really know what I wanted to do when i <laughs> when I got out. Um, uh, I transitioned into the Air Force reserves. So I'm actually still active c seventeen pilot in the in the Air Force reserves at uh, uh, JPLM at, at McCord Field. Um and so I maybe not the smartest move but I got out and said I I just I don't know I'll, I'm going to go into the reserves and and see to kind of figure out from there what I want to do.
1: Right. And um so even in the reserves you still you still fly planes, right? Mhm.
2: Yeah, so so I still um stay, you know, current and qualified as a C17 pilot. Um I don't uh, I don't I'm not gone nearly as as much um but uh, but yeah i still i still stay uh, stay current still fly.
1: so so it seems that y- you were always on the go you know when you were in active duty is that is that burdensome um i guess it would be if you have a family uh but um y- that's how you would be serving right flying here and there and being right. gone so uh what percentage of you know y- your time did you spend flying and you know sort of gone from home
2: yeah so when i first got in it was it was a it was a pretty aggressive uh, flight schedule I, I would say the first 2 years i was probably gone anywhere from 2 to and 250, 250 days a year um, and, and the schedule was really erratic. Uh, you would come home, you'd be home for a week and then, you know, you're on another trip. You could be gone for up to three weeks or four weeks at a time. Um, and yeah, you know, it is, it is tough. Uh, we got, uh, I got married to my wife w- when I was here in, in Seattle and then, um, and then we we got stationed in Hawaii for about five years. Uh, and that was a little bit slower, um, but still gone, you know, probably easily a hundred to hundred
1: 50 days a year Mm -hmm. and that is would you say typically that's the life of a pilot in the air force i mean it continues that way if you're unless you have um a a different type of assignment but i mean when you're flying the the c-17 um you know you're you're just traveling a lot
2: yeah right. I mean you you know you're you're gone you know moving people and cargo uh, around to, to different bases. So um yeah I wouldn't say it's uh um well it, it depends what type of plane you fly. Um and uh, uh some some the different planes are gone at different ratios and different some are gone you know on six month long deployments and some are gone uh maybe like the C17 at a pretty regular you know tempo. Um and then, as you the the one thing about the military is that you know it, it you start to go down different career tri- career paths, um and so really, when you become when you start to you know become more of a senior major lieutenant colonel, um you're likely spending less time in the airplane and more time, you know uh, more time in the management space of the air force
1: oh, so then you know so you, so then you got to practice. Your uh, management uh, skills, because that's that was part of what you study. So, what was your? So, when you got out, the ten years later, by that time you had been promoted as a major, right?
2: Yep, that's correct.
1: And then um, and then you said you weren't sure what you were gonna do and so you decided you're gonna go into the reserves and then uh, what happened after that did you go work for a company uh, concurrently with being in the reserves mm-hmm.
2: yeah so you know there was a uh, another tough decision so it's a tough decision on whether or not to stay in or get out the other tough decision was whether or not to go fly for an airline or or do something different um because you know it's, uh, i basically had the right experience um and the right amount of hours to uh to go fly for alaska or or, or delta or ups or, or any other of the, the major airlines um but you know i had a daughter at the time who was three and then we were pregnant with twin boys um at the same time, and, and I was really you know really just the idea of not being gone a lot. Um, so uh, so I, yeah, so I ended up finding a uh, a project management consulting job uh, with Microsoft, and uh, kind of that's how I that was my first my first uh, yeah, my first job right after the Air Force.
1: So how was that transition? Um, tell us about that. From military yeah, I mean, life to, um, you know, uh, civilian life.
2: Sure. Yeah. No. The, the transition is tough. Um, it's uh, uh, you know it, 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 you don't really know what to expect when you get out, um, and uh, you, you're unsure. Like you're you're confident in your, in your abilities, but you're unsure what the expectation is. Um, so you can it becomes a challenge to, to, you know, figure out what you want to do and then to, to translate that correctly so you can get the type of job that you want when you really don't know what jobs are out there. Um, and so, uh, yeah, the, the transition is still even now is, is, uh, is tough. So, you know, I, um, I probably, I thought it was going to be a little bit easier to get a job than it, than it ended up being. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then your expectations, you know, are off. You, you call everybody sir when everyone, um, uh, you know, goes by their first name basis. Uh, you uh, you show up early just because that's what we do in the military, and um, almost nobody shows up early. <laughs> so
1: you're on so time. Some of those,
2: like... Yeah, there's some of those cultural things that are a little bit you know different. It's a little more chaotic than you would expect, um, and yeah, and I w- I'll be honest. I thought when I went to Microsoft that it was going to be like you know like Goodwill Hunting, like there was going to be people just solving problems on the whiteboard, um, and uh, it just you know it was it just didn't know what to expect. And um, you know what I what I realized when I got when I got out and, and got into um, you know the, the workforce was. It, it's a lot of it's just the same. It's there's it's just a, a it's a group of people kind of working in, in somewhat of a bureaucracy trying to trying to solve problems, you know. And uh, uh, it's, it's the same type of problems, maybe just not without a uniform.
1: Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's stop right here and take another quick break, Nate, and we'll be right back. Sure. Today's episode of The Veteran Startups is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. For instance media relations. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this. Press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. Check them out at Publicize.co and tell them Carmen and Josh sent you. And we are back with Nate Amazon of Form 100 Consulting. Nate, um, it's uh, really interesting what you're talking about because it just seems like you had to navigate, you know, these waters where you're not sure what to expect, and I'm sure that this is very common for most veterans. And so, and, and even... Uh, even the fact that, you know, you had had management experience, I know you mentioned you felt sure of uh, uh, of yourself, confident with your abilities, but you didn't know what to expect. So, you know, you found out that, um, that in the workforce you do have, you, you're actually, there were a lot of similarities to work done in the military, particularly in huge companies like, uh, I suppose, Microsoft, and, and you mentioned something about, you know, you're still so- solving the same problems and, you know, the fact that there's sometimes b- bureaucracy. So um, would you say you had an advantage based on the skills and uh, the training you had in the military when, you know, you went into the uh, workforce um,
2: Oh yeah, absolutely, and, and I, and I'm a huge believer in um, you know the value of the military experience uh, because uh, when you get out, uh, there's just a lot of things. It, it's getting in that's tough, right? It's breaking, it's getting your foot in the door, but but once you're in, um, you know you're able to 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 see the types of problems and look at it really from a, a different perspective, maybe, and so th- there's advantages there. Um, and a lot of the training and, um, uh, the training experience that you get in the military, you know, as, as a officer and, and as a pilot, um, really translate to the private sector. Um, and, you know, and, and, and you could just the ability to, to, you know, uh, know how to make decisions, to be comfortable in leadership positions, um, to communicate effectively, um, and and then to you know to to know how to solve problems and how to get a team of people to solve problems and work together and and, and so those are the those types of skills are, are just super valuable for um, for military veterans across the board.
1: Right, and and uh, can you dive a little bit more into like you said, you come with a different perspective, so. Uh, what do you mean by that?
2: Well, um, I mean, so, uh, so, currently I'm working in a, in a, uh, a very technical space. Um, and there's, uh, you know, very technical problems that need to be, that need, that need to be solved. And, and a lot of times in the private sector and, and really in, in the tech space, um, there's a lot of ambiguity, a lot of just unknowns. So, um, uh, And so people, engineers, a lot of times are really searching to, to find out what's happening. And, and so they focus maybe too much on the details. And so the perspective I bring, you know, as, as having to solve problems because flying is also very dynamic and there's a lot of unknowns, um, is how to, how to structure, how to structure the problem set so we can work to the answer. Um, and so I, I look at things uh, in kind of a more of a binary, maybe in a binary way is the right right word, but but from a more holistic perspective, right?
1: I love it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing that because I think that's really important. And and those skills came about, you know, because of your. Uh, training in the military, and because of your experiences. And, I mean, I can see you up there flying the plane, and, of course, you always had the big perspective, the earth down there. <laughs>
2: right. And so right. that's pretty cool. Well, it, and, I, and if, if I will, I mean, uh, you know, and the parallels really between aviation and software development, if you're talking really technical, you know, are pretty stark. Um, uh, especially as a C-17 pilot, I, I would go out with a crew of about five to seven people. We're kind of on our own for a couple of weeks to solve to solve the problem or to accomplish a mission. And we have to work together to, to problem solve. And we don't know what's coming up next, and we don't know what problems we're going to, you know, encounter. But um, you know, we we do a lot of the same things that a scrum a development scrum team will do. You know, we we have regular briefings, we debrief a lot, we. Um, uh, you know, kind of almost stand up type communication style with each other. So, um, it, you know, the, the more, uh, and one of the things maybe I think is important is the more technical, uh, you are in the private sector, the more important those types of soft skills, uh, those types of soft skills are.
1: Yes. Yeah. So um, so what happened? Um, you, you were working for Microsoft, and how long did you do that for?
2: Um, so I, I started out working as a project manager on a licensing project, and um, uh, did that for about six, eight months. And then the group I was in was starting up a software, uh, a new software application, and they needed someone to help... Uh, kind of uh, run a couple run a team of testers um, to make sure that you know that application did what the developers wanted it to do um, so I was I was fortunate enough to, to get exposure to you know a team of software developers and testing and, and really um, got into the, the agile delivery uh, model in and, um, and space.
1: Okay, so and this was you were a project manager, and then you were exposed to uh, a lot of things in the uh, software development environment, and um, yeah, adopting.
2: Yeah, so I started as project manager and then ended up doing Scrum master work and doing some uh, um, doing some kind of QA lead work.
1: Oh, well, that's great. Um, And so you were there for eight months, and then what happened after that? I mean, at some point, uh, were you getting ideas or formulating ideas about starting your own company? Uh, How did that come about?
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, as I got more and more involved in in software and more and more, um, uh, and got, you know, got more and more comfortable just in the private sector and with what I was doing, you know, I realized that the skills that I learned as a military officer are, are super valuable to this space. Um, and uh, and it can be challenging for for someone transitioning out to, to break into the space. And so that's kind of where the, the idea started to, to start to formulate that I, you know, there is a pool of people with similar backgrounds to me coming out of the military in similar situations that I was in. And there's clients that, you know, really need this type of, this type of help. Like they really need, um, uh, servant leadership in their embedded in their teams to help their teams just work together better. So I felt like there was a big gap, you know, in the, in the market between those two pieces.
1: Yes, and so, how did you how did you start bridging that gap?
2: Um, Well, you know, I started by just trying to get some, uh, you know, some of my friends who are getting out and looking for for work, trying to get them uh, hired on either my existing firm or uh, uh, just helping them try to get get hired on in general. So, doing a lot of transition help, a lot of resume um, work, and uh, and it was just, it was tough. It was tough for, and, and I get it because it's tough for non, for people that don't have that experience and understand what it is that you know leaders in the military do, um, for them to, to bridge the gap that, that they may not have as much technical experience as they think that they need. Um, so to get them to to you know to take a chance and to hire a man became it was a little bit of a challenge. So that that's kind of where I thought, all right, well, I could maybe I'll just do it myself.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so so you took it upon yourself to coach them, mentor them, help with their resume and really kind of cheer them on in the sense that they have to believe that they can do it and you know, you can tell them. When you but get out,
2: you don't really know what to expect. So if I can, if I can help provide some context, help, uh, build the vocabulary so you can speak in the same language with the same terms, um, and, and, help, you know, help people relate their experiences to what is needed in the market, then, um, yeah, then, you know, I'm happy to do that. And I do a lot of that now.
1: That's really great. That's really uh, needed. I know that um, they do some uh, transitional uh, workshops, don't they, the military currently? I mean, when I was in, they didn't do anything. And so I, I was, you know... I, I didn't even know that I could get unemployment <laughs> because yeah right I I, I was that naive um, but uh, and I'm talking about the 70s but um, but now they have all kinds of things to help vets out and and there's a lot of companies that recognize uh, the value of what they bring just some of the things <laughs> you shared earlier about you were always yeah. early <laughs> always on time um, mm-hmm. any anyway. Uh, That is, uh, you know, something that um, vets uh, are really good about. And so so you started concurrently with that. You started your own company, and were you able to help some of these uh, veterans obtain work? Uh,
2: Yeah, so, you know, there's a little more of a transition. You know, I went from Microsoft and then went into uh, uh, a role at Boeing, Um, and, uh, you know, from there started down the path it was you know it wasn't kind of a it was really a slow evolution um to actually you know starting starting you know, my own company um but uh, uh but yeah so you know ended up um at Boeing when you know an opportunity presented itself and that's when we first met um and uh, and then was able to start bringing people on to uh to actually do to actually prove out this kind of theory. Right. And so, you know, when you start a company, you really have to have an assumption that something's going to work. So, um, you know, I, 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 was able to make the transition, get into a very technical type of role and succeed, but right. can, can, I, you know, maybe it's just me, maybe I got lucky. Um, and so, you know, I really needed to test it out. And, and so, you know, we were able to, to bring on one and then, and then, uh, a couple more over the last you know year or two to uh, uh to prove it out and and they're doing awesome and that's that's the part that's you know so exciting is that once once you break in and start to to prove the value um then you know you can really excel
1: yeah and you know there was a um a little blog I read on your website that um was really interesting um it, It's under um, the agile is a team sport, but you have um, programs succeed or fail on the strength of their teams. We apply tested military servant leadership principles to foster a culture of high-performing deans. So what really caught my eye was this part about we applied tested military servant leadership principles. Now, I had never mm-hmm. seen that before, servant leadership principles. What does that mean?
2: Yes, great question. So the uh, you know, there's a book out by Simon Sinek uh, called "You Know Leaders Eat Last," and and that's really kind of a, a great phrase for what? what, what could you say um,
1: that again? The the I'm sorry, uh, I didn't catch it. The the name yeah, of, the name of the book?
2: Yeah, the book is called I believe it's called "Leaders Eat Last."
1: Oh, leaders eat last.
2: Right, and so what? What really what that means is is that. Um, you know, and they, and this is kind of what's taught in the military, and and one of the things that a lot of people don't understand um, is that uh, you know military officers and, and NCOs um, go through a lot of dedicated military leadership training. Um, you know, it's 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 those types of skills aren't something you can do a two week course on and then come out as a you know knowing how to be a leader, I guess, um, and so. Uh, the training really focuses on taking care of your people, right? Having a, having a, a, a servant leader mindset. So that means that you take, you, you, you lead by serving others. And so um, as you, you know, if if you have a team of people, your most important uh, job is to make sure those people are taken care of and that they understand what they're supposed to do. And they understand the mission and the big picture, and that they're aligned and communicate correctly. So, uh, those types of um, skill set uh, is something that that we really you know um, that we foster in, in our company, and that and that the military teaches to all leaders.
1: Right. It's it's a that's a unique culture. Um, I love it. Uh, so um, so how's it going for you right now? Um, now, I know you said there was a, a little bit of transition before you started your company, so you, you ended up uh, working at Boeing, and then at some point you started your company, but the mission... Um, your mission is is not only to find work for these folks, but to really assist them in translating their skills um, in, to the civilian sector. Um,
2: can you- yeah, and I can. Yeah, and so really, um, you know, transitioning the 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 military members is almost kind of a byproduct of what we're doing um we actually really believe that that our clients need this type of leadership skill set in their development teams um and that that we add uh, not only is military experience valuable just because it, you know um because of what we've done but it's valuable to the to the to the clients and their programs and to the companies like we make we help software developers work better together and teams that work better together, deliver software faster, better and higher quality. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're really trying to leverage this, um, you know, this value proposition to, to grow as a, you know, as a for-profit company. Um, and, and so, uh, it's a, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's great. And we love the fact that, we are able to transition military members out and and uh, and that is uh, we love doing it but i mean i guess we we don't want to forget that like it, we're we're doing it because there's a lot of value in it mm-hmm. and we're trying to and ideally change the perception of, of what military leadership does especially in tech you know i think that 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 there's a need for more soft skills and more leadership in the tech community
1: I agree. Um, We're going to take the last break, and we'll be right back, Nate.
0: Great. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Start setting your business apart today. Visit callruby.com forward slash startup radio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code startup ruby.
1: We are back with Nate Amidon from Form 100 Consulting. And, Nate, we were talking about the need that is out there to bring in uh, leaders that have great soft skills and uh, to balance out uh, the tech skills. And I can vouch for that because I'm in the tech field myself. Uh, So um, what is next? Uh, I mean... um, I think did you let me ask you this first? Did you have a hard time communicating that value to the potential customer?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that is, is a challenge, and, and it's really parallel to the challenge of transitioning out. Um, is it, getting the message out and getting someone to take uh, uh, to take some risk for the potential award and um and you know there's i guess there, there's a notion that um uh, that you know you especially in the in the tech field that that you need lots of IT experience to be effective you know in the either in a program management or project management or or a scrum master type role um and uh and, and i think that 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 um i guess that perception is is uh, weighted too heavily sometimes um, I, I think that, that there's a lot more value in um, in the soft skills and the ability to learn how to work as a team and how to lead teams and and how to communicate uh, you know than there is having a, a real technical background so yeah it's a, it's a challenge
1: yes and um, uh, are you um but you've been successful, right? You've been like the the veterans that you have helped have been able to work successfully in in their new roles in civilian life.
2: Yeah, and that's what's really cool is that you know we're we're able to um, we're able to prove that that it works that that there is um, uh, that 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 value you know is realized and that those assumptions are validated. So. Um, you know, uh, there's four of us now in the the group and we're, um, uh, you know, we continue to do it every day, right? I mean, you know, we're motivated and, and, um, you know, dedicated to, to show that, that we can add value to the clients every time we, you know, every day we show up to work.
1: That's awesome. Um, so what is, is next for you? What, you know, ideally you want to, uh, you know, I'm sure you still want to continue to help these vets. Um and, and then uh, transition help transition them and, and into the civilian world you know and and coach them with their leadership skills um, specific to the tech right because you're focusing in the tech world. So I was thinking about your efforts and what's next and mm-hmm. one of the questions I had you're transitioning these folks helping them go into the tech world. What about yeah. other industries? Um, um, because really all of these uh, soft skills and communication skills and leadership skills, uh, they can really be used in any industry, right? Um, are you going to stay on the tech track with with your coaching, um, the veterans coming out?
2: Yeah, so I mean it really kind of, uh, so tech is what I know right now. Um, and and what I have experience in, and I, and I see the, um, I mean, every company now is going to be a tech company. Um, and so the, the, um, so the space that we're in right now, you know, and and really we're focusing on, um, you know, we're even trying to niche a little farther down into, um, just kind of software development programs, and then um, gaining expertise in the scaled agile framework. Uh, and, so, and so, yeah, so, so right now our focus is to, is to stay in the tech space. Um, but, but however, I mean, anytime you start, a, you start a company or running a company, you know, you're constantly reassessing what you're, where you're at and what you're doing and where opportunities are. Um, and, so, and so, yeah, I think that the same uh, value proposition applies across all, all industries.
1: Oh, I agree. That's great. So um, one thing we always ask our, our uh, veterans that we host is if they were to look back, was there any anything they did that they would think, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that? Because obviously uh, in the audience we may have a lot of entrepreneurs or veterans that are wanting to, to start a business, so any advice along those lines?
2: Uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's be a long podcast, uh, <laughs> but, uh, to... uh, uh, I, I would say uh, the, um, okay, the, the, I guess a few things is is if you're gonna start, um, if you want to start a, a company, and you're just getting out of the military, um take some time and uh, uh, don't just jump. I would, I would kind of discourage just jumping in to starting a company right away. You really want to try to get your, try to get your, um, just get settled and transitioned, and try to focus on, figure out what you want to do. Like, like I said, like I really didn't know what to expect. And, um, uh, and I, and and I've always kind of wanted to start a company, but if I wouldn't have known what to do, um, so that would be one thing: is, is to, to don't be in a huge rush. Um, and come up with a plan and take calculated risks, um, for sure. And, and then the second thing I'd say is that once you do decide to to start your own start your own company, um, just it's it's not going to be super easy. <laughs> like you just you're going to have to be persistent. You're going to have to um, be open to change. And always be looking at what you can do different and better uh, because, you know, it's, uh, as, as you're well aware, it, you know, it, there's ups and downs and, um, and it really it's a long game.
1: It is. Don't be in a hurry and be mm-hmm. perseverant. And, uh, that's awesome. Well, um, I, uh, I think um it, it, this this has been really interesting. I probably would have had a lot more questions on the planes because I love planes. Um, but, uh, i uh, I just want to encourage our viewers to take a look at your website and where can they contact you?
2: Our um, listeners. Yeah, so you think you can contact uh, me through the website um, the email address and contact form or right there. Uh, and you can find me on LinkedIn. It's, it's probably the easiest way. So, you know, uh, Nate Amadon in, in LinkedIn. There's not a lot of Amadons around. So,
1: Right. So thank you, Nate. Um, I really appreciate you sharing your story today and being so candid. And thank yeah. you uh, to our listeners. We'll be back with another show. Actually, uh, I'm not sure if we're having another show next week, but we'll be back sure. every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Have a great weekend, everyone.
2: Great. Thank you. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.